All right. So today we begin a new series. And this series is called Hearing the Call. And I wanted to talk about the call to action in this first chapter, in this first episode. But before I get too far into that, let me just say a little bit broadly about what hearing the call means. When we really assess ourselves, when we really take a moment to think about what's going on in life, you can very easily end up asking yourself, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) What am I supposed to do with all this? What am I supposed to do? And this is a resounding question. This is very fundamental to who we are as human beings and how we live. And hearing the call is the answer to this question. What am I supposed to do? Well, the call is calling out to you, beckoning you, as to what you need to do, what you should do, what your purpose is, if we can put it in such terms. Now, of course, this occurs on many levels. This has many layers of profundity and profanity. This has many layers of purity and impurity to it. And really, in one way, hearing the call is learning to see through the noise. It's learning to let go of loud, aggressive beckonings and to become more attuned to the subtle whisper, the silence, the deeper truth that is coming forth from within you. Because we do hear instructions all the time. We do hear calls to action all the time. We hear, well, what should you do? This is what you should do. In some ways, it's very obvious. It's very obtuse. And for the large part, those obtuse instructions really all boil down to consume. Consume is what you're being told to do. Buy more things. Spend more money on products, services. Do more things that will pleasure your senses and your circumstances. 
buy, consume, buy. But if we can become attuned to something deeper, if we can recognize all that as noise in its many forms and its very enticing forms that it comes, we open to something that is much more gratifying. It's gratifying on another level altogether. It's gratifying for our soul. It's gratifying for our existential nature. It's gratifying for our, well, gratitude. It seems sort of funny that gratitude and gratifying sound so similar. (laughs) It's almost like I'm mixing up the words. I can find myself easily doing that. (laughs) And on the deepest level, the world does call its name to you. The world does make it purpose perfectly clear what your purpose is. And hearing that, responding to that, brings you to a very light kind of reverence, a very clear sense of direction, a very open way of navigating your way through life. It brings you into a kind of flow with your work, with the things that you focus on. It brings you into harmony with your environment. And we can break this down even further. We can put it into Other terms, which would be more like, well, we've got phase one, which is learning to hear the call. And we've got phase two, which is, well, what am I supposed to do about it? What is my response to hearing what it is that I need to do? To seeing exactly what my direction is. And in many ways, there's something useful in that. There is something in that process of breaking it down into step one and step two. But further than that, more simply than that, and the truth is always more simple, you really only need to hear it. You only need to recognize it in its real clarity, in its absolute Honesty. Because it's when it's clear, it's obvious what you need to do. The second stage of, well, how do I respond to the message that life is giving me? Well, that's just second nature once you hear it so clearly. So that's a little bit about 
just this broad idea of hearing the call. And there's a number of ways in which we will go into this and we'll look at a number of different examples of what it means to be called to various things. And as we go along, I will make the case again and again as to why this is important and how we can do this practically. And also we'll point out many of the things that are, well, wrong. Because there is a call to the downside. There is a call which is misleading. And for the most part, we conceptualize hearing the call as the call of truth, the call of a higher purpose, the call of something more meaningful. But in another way of looking at this, well, we hear the call to do things which are pathological, which are addictive, which are not of our better nature, like to consume and to buy too many products. So that's a way of introduction. Now, I wanted to start with the call to action. And action is really the most moving thing. And you see this in books, in literature, in stories that you read, and in speakers, most obviously, right? Hearing a call is also a very literal thing, and it's probably most literal with the call to action. What are you supposed to do? That is an action response. And by action, I mean interacting with an object in the world, a physical object, or moving your body in some way. That's where we can sort of draw the line for action. Of course, we can draw it in other places, and we will in the future. But basically, I mean nothing abstract about this word action. I mean nothing philosophical about it. I mean nothing conceptually complex or anything like that. It just means action. And if you read a book which has action calling in it, then you'll find that it's very moving. This is how we talk about literature that is moving. It moves you to do something. It's motivating. And it's actually telling you to do something. can think of an example in Peter Singer's book on famine, affluence, and morality. Very famous book by the Australian philosopher Peter Singer. And in that book, he basically makes his case for equality, famine, and morality. And he's discussing these themes. And about halfway through, there's one of these moments where he actually tells you to put down the book that you're reading, pick up the phone and make a donation. And he gives the information as to where to make your donation. And 
this is very powerful because it's very specific, right? Because we can have broad action and we can have immediate microscopic action. An example of broad action would be, well, be nice to people, be creative, take care of yourself, do good work, do productive work, be easy to work with, work on yourself, right? All of this is very broad. It's very open. There's a lot of things in which that could exactly mean. What does it mean to work on yourself? What does it mean to do personal development? What does it mean for me to take care of myself? That could mean all sorts of things in all different ways. And there is an art to speaking and writing in that way as to be emotive, to be motivating, to actually have the call of action come through in something that is broad, something that is big. Something that could mean so many things, such as take care of yourself, find yourself. But the other side of it is specific action. It's a micro action. If I say to you, could you wash this? dish for me <laughs> and you're standing over the sink and you're washing some dishes well that's a very specific thing well it's like okay this specific dish in this specific environment this specific action right there's not a lot of room for interpretation as to what that means if i've got this dirty dish in the kitchen and i say can you wash this dish for me You're not going to say, oh, could you explain that to me? Could you give me the philosophical reasoning behind it? Could you give me some sort of conceptual understanding? And of course, in our practices, our meditative practices, our self-help, our motivational self-inquiry, our personal development, taking care of ourselves, all of these things have specific actions. They have specific things to do which are as specific and immediate as washing the dishes. And in many ways, that's what learning to meditate is. Because if you go to a meditation teacher, they're not going to sit down and just say, Okay, now meditate. It's not what the instructions are going to be. The instructions are going to be specific. Sometimes very specific, right? Watch the breath. Feel the feeling of air going in and out of your nostril, for example. Now that's very specific, right? That's an action that doesn't have any room for interpretation <laughs> like could you please watch the wash this dish for me 
And yet we so often don't see that that call to action, that specific microscopic thing to do, to follow the breath, to feel the touch of the breath in your nostril, and to just pay attention to it, just notice it, your nostril, not anyone else's nostril, right? It's perfectly specific to you. That call to action is directly related to the grandest, most broadest call to the universe, to discovering your deepest nature, to seeing exactly what it is that you are. Now, there is another quite famous call to action which appears in the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. And in the pamphlet version of the Communist Manifesto, the last line is, Workers of the proletariat unite. And the way that that manifesto is written, it's set up so that that call to action has impact. That call to action, through its explanations, through its view, through its reasoning, through its logic, has been set up to really give you this feeling of movement. It's the kind of book when you put it down, you feel like standing up and doing something. And not every book has that. Some books you feel something emotionally. And of course, I've been using this word emotive to mean calling of an action. But if we want to be more technical about our words, then we would say emotive is something that's bringing a feeling out of you. And motivating is something that is bringing an action out of you. And really, this is just, well, motion. Because emotion really means to put into action. It is the driving force of action. So emotion and action are very closely related. That's really just a technicality. That's just a way of words. That's just a more nuanced look at the phenomenon psychologically. But you notice this phrase, workers of the proletariat unite, is a broad call to action. What does that exactly mean? What does it mean to unite? What exactly are we meant to do? And therein lies a lot of the problems of the Communist Manifesto, which is that it's too broad. It doesn't have enough of, well, what are the specifics? What does this mean for me cleaning the dishes? What does this mean for me learning to pay attention to the breath going in and out of my nostrils?
and of course in the grand pantheon of human knowledge and human history, it's a skewed perspective. Because you do have to ask, well, what does the Communist Manifesto call to action have to do with me realising my deeper existential nature? And what does realising my deeper existential nature have to do with my personal relationships? And what does my personal relationships and how I work with them and how I feel about them have to do with the way that I think? And what does the way that I think have anything to do with my habits. And this string goes on and on and on as to what does anything have to do with anything. And of course, this is where the noise comes from because one thing comes out and says one thing, and another comes out and says another thing. And whether it's your mind, or a person, or an idea, or an environment, it can very easily become noise. It can very easily become a wash of mess, an unclarity, a tangle of misdirection. And in that ocean of noise, that is where we learn to hear the call. That is where we take a moment to actually listen and to see exactly what is it that the call to action means. What is it that is fundamental to this call to action? Another way of putting it we could say is what is the real resonance of the action? What is the real real resonance of this motivation? Do I feel good? about what it is that I think I need to do, that I feel that I need to do. Now, it might be a little bit abstract to say, (laughs) how do you feel about a feeling? (laughs) But that's essentially what I'm talking about. That's essentially what you need to do. Because hearing the, the call is not something so intellectual. It's not so psychological. It is a feeling. It is emotion coming forth from you, from your body, from your being. And really, no one can tell you the action you need to take. It's not my job to tell you to clean the dishes. 
It's not my job even to tell you how to concentrate on the air going in and out of your nostril as we learn to meditate. And it's not Karl Marx's job to tell you how to think about society and politics. It's up to you to learn to hear the call to action for yourself. Because it can only be for you. Your actions that are right for you are only right for you. And only you can know them. Only you can hear the call. Only you can hear the message as it is intended for you. It's almost like a secret code has been created so that the message can be encrypted and then sent to you and only you can decipher the code. And I don't know the code. I don't know the message. And yet, we're here in this conversation to let you know that, well, it's possible to decode the message. It's possible to hear the call. And that is critical for who you are. So that's a little bit for an introduction and a little bit about the call to action. So this has been chapter one and this will be a multi-part series. So you can go ahead and listen to the next chapter. Thanks very much and we'll be back soon with more.